you have to tick the box and know your, know your thing for sure. But then what makes the difference between a good and an average or even a bad practitioner, it's definitely down to people and skills, personal traits, interaction, ability to, ability to communicate and so on. Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast, the podcast that dives into the philosophies, ideas, and practices of some of the best practitioners in high-performance sport. We have Martin Bushite on this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So Martin has been on a number of times discussing his Eagles book, discussing conditioning in team sports, but today it's another one of Martin's very, very well thought through missions, which is bringing objectivity to staff assessment, staff profiling, and how we, what a success looks like for performance staff, whether it be a physio, nutritionist, SNC coach, is it injuries? Is it reduction in injuries? Is it how far athletes run? Is it, is it win rate? Is it league position? Like all these things come into account when these type of th- discussions come up on social media. But Martin is trying to bring some objectivity, to bring some insights from the commercial world, from the business world, into the performance setting and actually set some goals, some objective goals for performance staff. So he goes through this, whether you're a head of department or whether you're an assistant or an intern, what can you do about this? So a really interesting and very, very thought-provoking session with Martin. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Rock Daisy. Rock Daisy's athlete management system provides a powerful competitive advantage to elite sports leagues around the world. If you're looking for a solution that enables you to centralize, analyze, and visualize your data, check out rockdaisy.com and sign up for a free trial. Also sponsoring this podcast is Vald. So I'm really proud to have Vald as a sponsor again. And after a recent visit to Vald HQ in Brisbane for their annual Vildcon event, it's incredible to see how far they've come as a company since I last visited uh, at the start of 2018. So from a very humble office of less than 20 employees back then, it's amazing to see how far they've come. They now employ a global team of more than 200 that support clients across 100 countries including many of the world's elite and professional sporting organizations. So an incredible uh, rise to where they are now. This is a huge testament to just the impact they're having across the industry with their innovation, but also continued commitment to support clients. So if you're a performance practitioner, you probably know all about Vald, but if not, I'd recommend that you check them out at valdperformance.com. So without further ado, over to the episode with Martin. Martin Bouchay, welcome back to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Hey Rob, good to see you and thanks for having me again. Thank you. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's, um, it's always a pleasure to chat and especially when it's, when it's on the podcast, make it official. But since we last spoke, lots has changed as we've been discussing for the last 15 minutes. Can you give us a bit of an update on what you're currently doing? Because it'd be very different to what people have, have heard before. 
Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I think last time we chat, uh, I was full on with the, um, the research initiative, Kitman and, and so on. Um, then I've been head of performance for Lille uh, in France. Uh, we had two amazing, amazing, cool, very good, good seasons. Uh, then moved to Olympique de Lyon over the summer. Didn't last long. Uh, long story short, uh, the difficulties of, uh, of elite football. And that's also a bit of a drive for the, the, the work I had been doing before, but I'm pushing even more now is uh, to withdraw. I withdraw myself a little bit for now, at least, uh, you know, it's it's uh, February. So you don't know what's the, the football world can what can happen in this world. But I, right at the moment, since I, I left Lyon, I withdraw myself from 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 that to to really work on a more on a consultancy basis. Um, um, and as as consultant, you know, you try to develop a bit of a portfolio. So you do a bit of a consultancy and I'm really keen into helping teams in terms of reviewing their processes, evaluating what they do, and then try to provide um, guidance based on my experience and so on. So that's the real the consultancy bits, but also uh, keeping doing the research, collaboration, uh, different organization, um, doing a bit of uh, mentoring, one-to-one mentoring, which is something I had not done that deeply before. I enjoy it as well for the fact that you really feel that you empower individual people to do better in their job, in their life. So that's, that's pretty cool. And you're a bit the big, the, like the the big brother um, yes and then conferences workshops uh, keeps me busy allow me to still that still allow me to, to travel to meet people to get the, the network going to see what's happening in the other side of the world which I definitely I just enjoy that and also the, the cool things about workshops you know it's a bit more interaction than just giving lectures or conferences so again I get more from from being with those people but also you get uh, to understand the question better than have people looping back to doing the research that is meaningful and so on and I think people have heard me talking about that all, all my life you know doing meaningful research you know so um, yeah long, long, long response uh, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm doing I'm, I'm busy for sure um, so, enjoying it enjoying it so is it more stressful or less stressful or just a different kind of stress than being empl- employed by a club um, no, I keep saying that the level of stress on a scale from 0 to 10 is probably on 0.1, which is more making sure I'm, a, I'm on time for, for school uh, and get the kids to, 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 to take them to, to their sports when I'm home, when I'm, when I'm not traveling. Uh, but for sure, you know, when you work in those environments, there's more the stress of the victory, the injuries and so on. Um, but it's more, you're busy, but... What always had a cost to me is having to convince people and having to work with people with other opinions, whether they're good or bad or whatever. And like that's also a big question from the Eagles book that we also discussed about that together with, uh, um, with uh, George back in the days, you know. But it's always been the challenge for me, uh, the complexity of, of people with certain personality types, profiles, having different opinions dealing disagreement and so on and that's that people maybe who deal better than than me with this <laughs> the aspect on, on on dealing with difficult people put it this way so having withdrawn myself at least temporary uh from that world i don't have pressure i don't have i don't have to, anyone to convince or i convince the people who actually want to work with me so that's pretty straightforward i'm not saying that's the best way to to improve and progress because of course it's always when you are in the difficulty and the challenges that you learn and so on so I'm not saying that's the only way but 
back to your question about the level of stress, uh, it's it's all right at the moment. It's definitely all right uh, given this this perspective of evaluating the stress. There's no conflict at the moment. I know I know you've worked abroad before, but would you consider working abroad again? I know you're doing some consultancy with people all over the world and things, but in terms oh, yes. of a, in terms of a full time position, would you go abroad again? Yes, no, definitely. Uh, as I said, um, it's just about finding um, the right organization, the right structure, the right organization. Because again, people in my role, you know, you always you're in the middle of the of the sandwich. You know, on one side you have uh, the players and the other staff that you have to convince to work with you or for you or having in the direction that you have that you have inside of you. On the other side, there is the CEO, the management, the president, uh, sporting director, who also wants um, to give their directions. So I think when everyone is kind of aligned, you know, when you have support from the above, good connection with your colleagues and so on, everything is kind of aligned and it's it's extremely um, uh, pleasant. You, you enjoy definitely having having the ability to deliver some good work and having the, the that's that's uh, that's fulfilling you know when things are aligned and you, you believe that you can actually drive the things you want to do and you're you're on a mission and things are are going how, how you wish uh, but one side of the other side of the the, the the sandwich one side of the bread is not the one you like or you want or they want they don't want you then it becomes again difficult back to what I was saying before you know so of course I would like uh, maybe to come back in into the, the this uh, this situation but with the, the right ingredient at, the, at this stage you're gonna you're gonna publish an article on sportsmith in the next couple of weeks hopefully um, but you've spoke about this on other mediums in different articles and, and podcasts as well. And this is, and I'm just going to refer to the article that is going to be published on Sportsmith. And, and you referenced the, the threat of highly skilled practitioners to the hierarchy, to that one side of the sandwich that you've you've mentioned, the, the administration, the CEO, et cetera. Why have you, how, in what situations have you, have you observed that, where the highly skilled practitioner is actually a threat to what goes on up the chain again we don't have to put everyone in the same same bag uh, but what happens often is that um, decision maker in, in in clubs don't have the the typical profile academic academic background personality profile to really be those big managers big decision makers so let's say the caricature will be they're just ex-players and they just come in just because they have a name and whether nice either they're, they're nice or i don't talking about most of the time they're nice nice guys you know there's no problem but they don't have all this background so they feel themselves pretty quickly in the position of the imposter having to manage people that are actually clever than us or people that have a bigger vision or at least they have a vision when those guys may not have a vision so there's a moment they have to to realize that either they find a way to use those highly skilled practitioners for their own benefit and then everyone's happy because they might support you giving you more freedom giving you i don't know budget or whatever but when they don't understand that they could still keep their job and doing and look look good using those highly skilled people behind them, if they don't realize that, they feel that there's a competition and they actually they just get they get afraid of being yeah, be, have, being betrayed or they just don't don't understand the dynamic and they just they just have fear 
And in this case, they rather tend to dismiss those people so that they keep control, uh, knowing what they what they know and not knowing what they don't know as, as often. How did how did you deal with that if when you were in that particular situation? And and did did the hierarchy? And then we'll come on to this when it comes to KPIs and things in a second. But did the hierarchy across your career generalization understand what you did, so you could communicate and not justify, but communicate your role and your the, the actual impact that you were having. Obviously, the first point is actually for these people to know what the hell you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Now, I've been through, and thankfully, because that's always been very informative for me in my, in my, my learning and understanding about this landscape, I've been, let's say, exposed to probably the completely opposites or the whole spectrum. So working with uh, sporting directors that really, really had an understanding of what would be my value, like a, I've my, like a head of performance value, who's not a conditioning coach, who's not a nutritionist, who's not a physio, you know? So understanding <clears throat> the value of having someone that actually push the, the, the envelopes in, so like this innovation, the coordination and so on. So they understand that. Uh, and in this case, the organization takes this position as an asset and this is where things are again i'm talking about everything being aligned but i'm also working with sporting director who did not understand at all what would be uh, so, someone like me for the lack as i said that that's back to what you were saying before you know lack of education understanding knowledge experience um but also for the for the simple fact that they might not even um yeah under, understand why do you need more than just a conditioning coach and intuitionist, you know, um, based on what they've been exposed before and so on. So, so it's good because then, I mean, you know, by, by the time the experience you build up, I'm talking, not talking about what I've experienced myself, but, you know, I've had just endless chat with, with colleagues and my peers, and we've all been in the same, same situation at some stage, especially with the constant change. And I like to say that one of the only, one of the only constants is the change in, in this world. So you just have to, Again, find find a find a find the best way to to adapt and understand. Okay, uh, this new sporting director or this new president, what is this? Le- what is his level of understanding of what we try to do? Um, and it depends on how what how you can actually get into their world and try to to get them to understand what what you're here for. So. Again, is it something that is really grounded in the club, job descriptions, who's accountable for what? Is it a proper process with HR? Then, hopefully, this guy is going to talk to HR and they might be able to, to, to explain a bit what's the structure, uh, what the department is made for. Uh, but when there's nothing like that in place, it's just about, oh, okay, there's a new guy coming in. Who are those budge guys in, uh, in tracksuit in the, in the locker? I see a few, uh, few conditioning coach. Well, what are the two guys fluffing around uh, with their computers? Um, yeah, then you start... You just have to start from the scratch. You know, you may have worked your ass off for, for years building something. When someone else comes in and says, I don't know who you are. Uh, yeah, we don't know who you are either. Okay, so what are you doing? Uh, yeah, fine. But, you know, there's no, there's no nothing to, to, to build on. Um, so that's also a big part of what I'm doing now. And I like to say I'm, I'm on a mission. Uh, just again, to bring some level of, of objectivity and a bit of structure into into that which is not 
because again people probably they, they've heard about some of the stuff I've done on the research which is really strength conditioning sports science it's a way to bring objectivity in our practices okay because again you can never undervalue the importance of experience because that's how coaches are built and that's how we are whether our is a <clears throat> whatever our, our background but we build our work and what we deliver on experience but we also know that we still have a lot of open questions and bringing the evidence the research helps sometimes to make better decisions and we talk about those informed decisions which is using a bit of research a bit of data to improve the decision making but of course always having the context that kind of drives the final decision so that's about sports science and so on but why couldn't we bring the same objectivity into the world um, <clears throat> into the, the into the jobs into what we were discussing about you know why couldn't we have a proper evaluation of staffs? We evaluate player, we evaluate their strength, their fitness, and so on, and then we profile them, and then we offer them tailored training interventions. Why couldn't we evaluate staffs? Okay, what what are you good at? What are maybe the, your 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 weaker your 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 weaker capacities? Let's build on that, and then we can move on to the discussion about CPD and so on. But that's another part of the of of the need to evaluate properly staff and department. Another angle is back to what we were just saying about, okay, there's a new CEO coming in. Who are those guys? And are they valuable for the organization or not? Hey, look at what we do. Look at what we have been. Look at our, look at our achievement. What are the outcomes of the department? And, and so on. So it's a way to not to prove ourselves, but at least to bring a little bit of, of fairness into how people are perceived in this world. So again, back into, you were saying about the this uh, skilled practitioner who's uh, not really seen with a good eye from, from the boss, but how is he evaluated? Just a feeling, it's a chat, is how he looks, is he friendly, is he smiling? You know, you, you can't hire and dismiss people just on, on feelings. At some stage, you just need to raise the bar, especially if we talk about big organization with big money. You know, you just can't you can't you just can't hire people based on, on on that. So, same as the sports science and the football world and so on and the, the strength and conditioning. Why don't we, why can't we do that with people and departments? It has to be. So, why isn't this happening? What are the, what are the challenges to actually making this happen in the first place? I would say that. Uh, well, first of all, there's the, definitely a cultural aspect of it because it's elite sports and it's not uh, corporate, it's not Google, it's not, uh, you know, the, it's not, it's a different world. So first of all, it's not something that is ingrained in the, in the culture, in the habits. You don't have habits to, to, that's not something that is, that it was done because at the start, like 15, 20 years ago, you had one conditioning coach and he was in charge of everything. So his job description was do what you can in the time you have. And that, that was done, you know, but now because we have specialists and, and staffs are getting bigger. Now we need to define that there, we have a proper description where the mission start and when they end, because that's also another layer where people probably have roles that overlaps and creates confusion and noise and so on. But I mean, so the, to your question, why this is not happening? Cultural. First, back to the people in charge on top of those organizations, back to what I was saying, they might not always be the most educated in terms of a proper structure, HR, and these kind of things. Not saying that those guys are not doing 
they're definitely doing a great job on many other levels. They know the sport, they know the players, they have empathy. They So they have very, very good assets to be doing a good part of their job. But because they haven't been to, they haven't done six or eight years of, uh, of academic school as a sport, the equivalent of a sporting director would do if he was in a corporate, in an IT company. So having not having this background about how do we structure um, jobs, how do we evaluate people and so on, that doesn't happen just because the way those people are recruited at the top. The other, let's say, uh, part of explanation of that is that this is just crazy difficult. It's ridiculously difficult to assess and to provide, if you put the, 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 the magic keywords like uh, those KPIs, those key performance indicators, is way harder to have KPIs for a multidisciplinary team or a physio or a nutritionist than for a car uh, a car seller or um, or any any guy working in, in the IT company, you know. Uh, because on one side, you just look at number of clients that the guy reached, the conversion rate, how much cars were sold once he reached them, and then how many he's making at the end for the for the company? Pretty pretty clear way to both evaluate the outcome and that way we can take that as, as KPIs. Um, how do you really evaluate uh, a physio? How do you really evaluate a conditioning coach? Um, it's just not just about winning games, of course, you know, and that's how often the. F- in, in football, in any sport, it works. You know, you don't have you don't have good results. Mm, must be something going wrong with the, with the fitness. And if, in addition, guys are not running during matches, of course, it just they're not running because they're not fit. And then you just close the loop and end of the story. You know, uh, while we know, of course, it's a little bit more complex than that. You know, um, you have injuries. You always have the, the medical is always blamed. While I still don't understand why in this case medical should be blamed maybe you don't have you have a long return to play times maybe those guys may be a bit more involved uh, because actually they're they're trying to accelerate but the injuries that comes more to where the injury comes from which is probably more coaches conditioning and players but anyway so you get you get the big picture outcomes winning games uh, running a lot getting injured or not and on that we're going to evaluate the quality of the work of a physio or a nutritionist and there's just too many layers to to really take those guys accountable they, of course they have uh, everyone working in the club has a shared responsibility into what happens over the weekend of course we all have a responsibility now just think about the magnitude of this percentage you know the the physio versus scoring three goals or conceiving two they there is a link or there is but you know let's let's be serious you know so i think everyone will agree that it may may t- make a little bit more sense to evaluate those practitioners um, value or competency based on objective markers of their actual job you know and that's how we ended up or we started the the, the journey um, and for that i was joined um 
my two colleagues, Luca Schuster and, and Ryan King, helped me to develop the, the, the questionnaire. We did a survey. We reached out to, to people like in, in those types of, of role of head of performance, uh, medicals and so on. And say, guys, uh, if you really want to, to evaluate your, your staff and you have to rate KPIs, which makes a good physio, a good, a good conditioning coach, what is important, what is not, you know? And that's really the, the, then the start of the reflection. And of course, to be a good a good uh, a good strength coach, you have to know at least, of course, a bit of uh, about your your stuff. You know the adaptation, the loading, uh, the sp- the specificity of the sport to be able to pro- to to offer something that is that is relevant with the sport and the periodization, of course. But there's so many more things that almost come first. I'm not saying first because you have to tick the box and know your know your thing for sure. But then what makes the difference between a good and an average or even a bad practitioner, it's definitely down to people and skills, personal traits, interaction, ability to, co- ability to communicate and so on. And they're just a, a bunch of personal, individual, psychological factors that make the difference. And that was probably the, the biggest findings from this survey is how important those those interpersonal people skills were rated way higher. Again, once the base is, is okay. You don't want to hire someone that doesn't know about strength if he has to do deliver session. But once they know, what makes a difference is on the other side. Nothing new, uh, but it, it was nice to see that uh, rated by, again, 50 people, putting, again, a little bit of objectivity in the process when it comes to offering those evaluation grids for practitioner. And off the back of that, I kept developing a bit the, 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 the project, the approach, which is also a part of what I'm doing now, definitely. As I said, I'm on a mission. I've been on a mission for years about the, the research to bring objectivity in the, the training, in the, what we do as practitioners. Let's bring, let's bring the objectivity on, on the other side as well. So, so were them 50 people all heads of performance or were they slightly down the chain as well? Mm, or head of something a little bit so that you have to at least to, to manage and at some stage have to evaluate people uh, but a lot of head of medicals doctors head of physios uh, because I've put everyone in the same bag in this case um, like I like to talk about the multidisciplinary team so basically sports science conditioning nutrition physio medicine that's the big bag in big clubs could be 15 people, in other it's uh, six or seven, but you have this range of, yeah, let's say six to 16 people, they work together. Then the organization within this multidisciplinary team is almost different in every club. You know, sometimes you have the high performance manager which, leaves, which kind of leads everyone. Then sometimes you just have a head of medical, a head of performance, they have two separate kind of departments, but still, they still work together, you know? So I think the multidisciplinary team, whether whatever the number of really of heads, these are the guys who actually work together and they're responsible for the health and the performance of the players. So this is the, the, the strong base club staff that needs to be well looked after. This is the stuff that you want to, that's, that's the permanent stuff. That's the stuff you want to nurture. That's the stuff you want to, you want to build a strong multidisciplinary team so that when coaches come in and come out, they can just plug themselves and 
just use them at their best, make sure, the, and then, then it's about the, the, co the coordination between this multidisciplinary team and the coaching staff. But clubs need to nurture their, their multidisciplinary team because this is going to give them the base to handle and support the change in staff. And again, in clubs where this is not well understood, they kind of they keep changing stuff every every second month, but they also tend to change as well the the the, the guys in the multidisciplinary teams. Then it's chaos at all levels. So at least you have to 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 understand that the only way to support change is to have some stability and consistency at some levels as well. So having a strong multidisciplinary team, strong structures at the club level guarantees or allows you to actually better let's say absorb the 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 the, the chaos when when coaches changes and as a way to look after those stuff starts with an objective evaluation of their work and to be able to offer them personal development plans and and so on um yeah that makes sense to me at least so we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with martin hope you enjoyed part one so over in part two i asked the question what can those down the hierarchy do to address this situation? If you're an intern, if you're an assistant, if you're a regular member of staff, not a head of who's got power up the chain, what can you do to initiate these conversations and improve things from your side? So really interesting part two coming up with Martin. This episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. The powerhouse platform increases efficiency, saves paper, and can handle any type of programming. It's the perfect fit for professional and academy teams, performance institutes, schools, and universities. Team Builder is full of tools that help coaches' needs. Multiple max tracking methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting, just to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with promo code SPORTSMITH to start your 30-day free trial. And now back to the episode with Martin. Just, just playing devil's advocate here, when a member of staff, head of medical, head of physiotherapy or whatever it is, would go into a club, my understanding would be sometimes that member of staff may be wanting a uh, win bonus. Okay? So they get the win bonus, they get a whatever percentage. But then if they're getting that when the team wins, if the team loses, they can't necessarily complain that they're going to be not sacked, but reprimanded in some sort of way if the team loses. Because we, we both know that neither really affects the other like a tiny bit but if you're going to get cash for a win you're going to accept that you're going to get your ass kicked when you lose even though neither have nothing to do with you yeah i think if following your your reasoning i think you're you're right if it goes on one way it has to go on 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 the other and that's always been the big discussion i had with um, like myself with uh, my employers or again with, with colleagues in our roles when you really have a club role do you do you really need or should have incentives based on team results i would tend to say no in this case but now you're the assistant coach 
like you're the, the conditioning guy of the coach of course let's that's that's part of the part of the the game you know um but that club staff i would definitely uh have incentives based on a lot of other and probably way more important criterias on the medium to long term to make sure this department is growing and building so we're back to having objectives assessments of a staff value and quality of work and in this case if for various reasons the department or the staff are ticking those boxes, then they can have their incentives. Who does this really well? What kind of environments that you've been exposed to do this really well in terms of evaluation, staff evaluation, key performance indicators? And what can we, where can we learn from those guys? Well, of course, we have to learn from outside of, uh, of elite sports. Not, I'm not saying that... And I don't know, I don't know the whole planet of any sport, you know. And the other day, just by chance, I was just hearing uh, Des Ryan talking about uh, implementing CPDs on the back of evaluation. So I said, ah, oh, perfect. So this happens at least, you know. So I'm sure there's, there's, there must be, there, there are some clubs who do that already very well. And I'm definitely not saying that I'm reinventing the wheel at all, you know. So there are already some organizations that might be more. UK, US, a bit of, uh, for sure, than probably South Europe or, you know, um, for sure. Uh, again, based to the, the cultural aspect. So, that, thankfully, it's already happening in elite sport, but I don't think it's probably the, the standard or, you know, that doesn't reflect the overall practice. But back to your question about where shall we learn from or even myself, where did I get more information. I went to all my my contacts, my friends working in the corporate world, and it's easy around us. We have people working. I mean, when you look at the, our friends, we are probably the exception working in in elite sport. And most of the people you meet at school and when you drop the kids, they are working in IT, in banks, in real estate, or you know. And those guys. It's just part of their work. They have the their one world. To, <laughs> yes, they have a one-to-one with their boss uh, every week. They have uh, two or three times a year uh, an assessment about what they do. They set KPIs together with their boss. They have incentives on those KPIs and so on. So it just, actually, it's kind of the norm. So I went to, to chat with a few uh, friends working in HR. And I said, just tell me how, in HR, in the corporate world. And I said, tell me how it works. And it was like, yes, 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 makes sense. So now translate that to to the to to our world. And it's not coming without difficulties for what we were discussing, is that the, the actual KPIs are way more difficult to implement. But if you just sit uh, with people and make sure it's really always adapted to the context, to the actual job description, you always manage to, to find a, a few a few key points that you can really base your evaluation on. Um, so yeah, back to your question. A few few good friends of mine working in top companies in HR, they've been really really helpful to get uh, all this project uh, going and becoming becoming actually live now. So in terms of implementing or starting this process, I'm an assistant SNC coach at a championship club, for example. Can I go and look at your information and lift off? the KPIs that have been identified by the people that have filled in the survey based on an assistant S&C coach and run with that? Or is there a lot of work in the front end based on my context and based on my club and based on my 
intricacies of the role that have to be taken into account. I'm just trying to piece this together so people can go, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to run with that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, no, I would say it's uh, unfortunately not as uh, as straightforward. And that's why it took me a lot of time to fine tune the project on my side as well. You know, that's the stuff we had started back in the days in, in Paris. So that's close to <clears throat> when I started 10 years ago. Um, and every organization where I had worked directly, I kind of refined the process as I was into the role, as I was chatting with colleagues and so on. So, of course, you know, you just read this paper, the research paper with uh, with Luca and, and Ryan. Uh, you get the big, you get the big rocks. And as we were discussing, you know that you have to evaluate your staff on a lot of things that are not only the core of the practice, but those personal skills, the communication quality. So you know roughly where to look at, which is already a good start. And let's say this is now a little bit more evidence-informed process because we have this research that backs us, backed, backed up a little bit the, the, the process. But now when it comes to really implementing that and making that work, you have to Taylor, as always, and that's probably the, best, the first thing that all those guys working in HR told me is that it has to be very, very, you have to mold that, you mold that, you have to tailor that to, to the environment. Because first of all, the question you're going to evaluate every staff, they have to fit with the job description. So you can't be, it can't be just a, a, a copy paste from a questionnaire to another, because in this club, and again, you, talking about the number of staff, and then you, you just adapt your job description based on how many people are actually doing the same job as you. In a lower level club, you might have yeah, one conditioning coach, there's the sports science, there's the nutrition and so on. So we may, we, we have to evaluate him on the different areas of, of, his, of his daily work. If you go into a big club where there are five conditioning coaches and one is just doing the gym strength, we're going to have to evaluate him way, way more into detail about his knowledge about gym strength because that's the only thing he has to do a day. So the questionnaire in this case, the first level questionnaire to understand how good is he as what not what he can do, but what he has to do in this context. So it's really job description first, that often doesn't even exist. So imagine the, the, the amount of work. So, so start with, what is your job description? I don't have one. Okay, let's build one. HR happy, manager happy. Okay, bam, that's your job description. So now how based on, on the back of that, how do we evaluate your value based on that? And then we go, okay, what's good, what's average, what's not good enough. Let's do. Let's see what we can do, and this is probably also the biggest. Uh, not also. Ch it's kind of a challenge. Is that um, these evaluation you have to present them in a in in a wise way that it's actually it's, it's going to help everyone. It's going to prove. Let's say you are, especially if is likely you are you you're doing well your job. You know, it's a good way to to showcase your value to the up management, as I was telling before, you know, when there's no change, who's this guy, who, is it good or not, you know, okay. So showcase your value, so it's positive for you as a staff. In a way, say, okay, accept to be evaluated, you know, to be, to be like this review is going to be helpful for you because we're going to show you that you're doing good your job, you're doing a good job. And then it's about personal development plans. Okay, there might still areas that you're not mastering completely yet. Fair enough. Okay, so if now we have to prepare a CPD budget plan for next season, hold on, how much do you, what do you need and how much do you need? So that's also super cool for yourself because it's going to, instead, before, 
how would you ask for a budget for CPD? You would come to your boss, say, ah, I'd like to do, uh, I'd like to take this uh, membership for the premium for, for Sportsmiths uh, because That's you're mine. going to, to, to help me everywhere. <laughs> and the manager will say, it looks a bit expensive. No, why don't you just uh, spend, uh, spend time at the, at the rugby club around the corner? I'm sure you'll learn a lot from them. So it's your arguments or your versus the, your boss uh, opinion. And again, it's likely you're going to lose because the boss in the end decides and makes unsubstantially documented decision just based on his opinion as often. But now you come with this assessment and say, hey, look, um, okay, 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 but there are some weaknesses like uh, that, are, that have been observed into this area. So I'd like that we find, we found together, we can find together a course that actually allow me to fill this gap. Bam. Simple. No? So, Back to your question about implementing that. Uh, no, unfortunately, it has to be almost a case-by-case case study so that it's adapted to the context, the actual job description, the club, and so on and so on. Um, so it's uh, there's, there's a bit of work. And that's the first part about the evaluation. On the back of the evaluation, uh, then you can set this development plan, but also uh, set some specific, really, really clear KPIs, which really be just down to a couple of items that are very clear. Give us, give us some, some examples, yes. Martin. Yeah, I, I'm, as I'm speaking, I'm realizing it's, it's, super, it's super unclear or abstract. So um, I like to take extreme examples, but I'm sure like everyone will actually recognize those, those, those profiles. Um, Young, young practitioner, uh, finished his master a few years ago. He's just full on new generation technology, loves research. He's again, he's on, on sports miss every second day, uh, reads everything super into like highly motivated new generation of practitioner, uh, lack experience, lack people skills. First thing he says when he comes in the morning, he says, what's your RPE or what's your wellness score? But don't even think about saying hi or how did you, you know? So we've been, we've been through that. Uh, another practitioner would, be that we've been, would, would have been at the club for 35 years, doesn't give a shit about technology, doesn't need to assess anything. He knows everything by his hands. He's a good guy. He's funny. He has a lot of empathy. Okay. Those two people, they work together and their skills are in a sense complementary because one is actually bringing to the team what the other can't bring. Uh, but they often some frictions because they don't understand each other and so on. Uh, <laughs> classical happens everywhere this. So devaluation will actually just a way to objective put up yeah just to objectivate a little bit this situation or where the strength and the weaknesses of one or the other would be and then we might say okay to the long lad to the young lad um okay there are maybe a few courses or you're going to find a mentor that's going to help you to just to understand uh, a bit more about your emotional intelligence and and you just drill down to what is actually missing and the kpi in this case would be the number of times a week is actually, he actually managed to interact with someone uh, starting with something else than a wellness score or a CMG, a CMG jump, you know. Um, and with the other guy, his uh, KPI would just be the number of maybe courses or articles he's read um, because it's something he has never done before. So you just build up, okay, maybe now you start to read one or two articles a month and even even better, you're gonna present them to the to the team uh, at lunch on the on a Thursday. For example, you know, and you just 
you just in the end at the end it's in, it's almost infinite uh but it's the it's about the approach of finding something that reflects the profile of those people and then be able to track because the big thing the second part of of kpi is the tracking ability the monitoring of the achievement or not so again you can come back at some stage when you have your your individual review and so on you say okay we set those kpis together but you still have not achieved them what's the problem and in this case if it's at the stage where you have sometimes thought about dismissing someone unfortunately in this case this can be used as well against against you against the person but at least it's clear you're not sacking someone just because you don't like him or the flavor of the month because now you have something that is actually clear look if you're, we if you're on the positive you're gonna have to take the negative as well potentially yes yeah. yes and we offer you this uh this money for your cpd we've done this this but this is not still not happening so give me an explanation or oh, i don't know but again we bring again some objectivity into the process on evaluating someone i was talking about sacking someone hopefully that's something you don't have to do because it's it's always a pain and also you often have to justify the why so when this is written and you have been able to follow and monitor that then the decision becomes a little bit more expected okay. look but that's the worst case scenario on the other side uh it's a good way to discuss incentives and pay rise and bonuses and what and and, and and those positive aspects and again uh you as the head of department you may not have always uh the the, the button on uh, on the incentives so you can go to the maybe sporting director or the, the bigger people and say okay guys those two or three staff they've been really super good achievers during this season Give me, give me a bit of money for those guys that they, they, they just married. They, they can get their bonus, you know. Again, it's not based on I like them. Let's pay them a bit, a bit more, you know. As a, as a head of, if you were in a head of performance position in a full time club, you hadn't listened to this podcast, but there's an assistant or a regular SNC coach, sports scientist, nutritionist who has and knows all the things that are not in place for him or her. He or her hasn't got a job description. He or her doesn't uh, have regular one-on-ones with a line manager, doesn't have clear roles and responsibilities. If they want to approach this and attack this from up the chain versus ahead of performance, implement it down the chain, how would you want them to approach you about this? Um, That's exactly how I started myself, almost. You can write yourself your job description and then just ask for an approval from your N plus one as a way to show them that you want to start to bring a little bit of light into this uh, this this dark side uh, write your job description and as a manager i've asked my oh, colleagues or the people i've been managing to write themselves as a start as well so it's a good exercise so then you can confront as a boss as the boss how you write the job description of this person and how this person is actually writing it normally of course that should not happen when you sign your first contract you should sign the job description it's coming with it but in the eventuality it's not available uh start with that and you start yourself wherever you are in the in the in the ladder make sure you have one at least so if you don't have just write it down and, that, and the job description is something that's going to evolve, it's going to, um, evolve over time anyway. 
Because yes. year to year, yeah. you take on new responsibilities. You drop some because you've got a new member of staff. So that's an ongoing process. That Therefore, all this is an ongoing process, not something that's just done once, then you evaluate at the end of the year or three times a year or whatever it is. It's, it's ongoing. Yes, of, of course. And it's not a problem at all that you go back regularly to this document and updated at least once a season it could even be twice uh, twice a season um, of course but maybe it's something that I just said in between the lines but the very important of that is that this has to be done in a tight collaboration with HR in the organization because you can't kind of by, bypass because I, in the end this is HR matter um, so Back to the question, like, like you're the, you, are, you don't have a job description, yeah, do it on yourself, but don't go only to your boss, but go to, your, go to the HR at the same time. Put them, put them all in, into the, 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 the loop. And that's when I operate myself with clubs, that's, that's how I, I, also, I also work, you know. This, as soon as I make contact and we, we engage into, into this process, and I often engage with my peers. These are the people willing to, 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 to collaborate and I'm like, okay, but make sure HR is on board. And actually, the way it should be is that HR, they see what I can offer as just an extension of, of, their, of their work because they know the structure, they know the process, they know all the laws, they know all the, the complicated that I, stuff that I don't, I don't know either. But we, as practitioners, we know the jobs. We know, we know the things that are important to make those description, re, those job description really, really um, precise. So it's just like, we just work together. It's a collaboration process and in the end, everyone wins. HR, have, is a, they're having a better, bet, better product, better, better descriptions. And employees, they just get uh, something that really relates to, to actually what they do. Uh, but super important to involve HR uh, from the beginning, of course, you know. One last point, and it's definitely a reflective one for you. In the last couple of positions that you mentioned at the start for the last few years, on this topic, what would you have done differently thinking back and reflecting? Um, um, I've been very, very quick always to, to write those job descriptions um, and trying to make people aware others about okay like typically you know, two conditioning coaches both of them could be seen as doing the same thing because they have the same title but one is more gym individual the other more is more pitch team okay let's write it down so I've, we've done it we wrote it but maybe we could have or we should have made sure that everyone would know it as well it was something more internal to the multidisciplinary team, but maybe tell the players, tell uh, the sporting director, or I don't know, people at different levels, that is clear. Um, again, it depends on the time and the openness to people because I've, I've put myself as well, that was in another context a, bit, a while ago now, when I came to see the sporting director with my job description that, that I had just written myself, and he said, I don't, I don't need that. Okay, so, you know, you ask me how if I would have done things differently, I wished I could have found a way for him to understand what my job description was. So what did you do on the back of that? Uh, went back to HR and I said, can you make sure he knows what I'm doing? 
then not sure what, what actually happened. Um, but again, talking about those those different levels and the sandwich and so on, at least in roles like 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 us. Um, you can actually control one side of the, the the sandwich and the bread. At least under you, you can have you can and you can be proud if you manage to do it well. But let's try to do things as good as you can at your level and below. So at least this is clean and uh, this is clean and clear. Then, if it's not going, you're not managing to push the the the, the efforts to the to the top. Uh, that means it's going to be difficult for you at some stage, and as it has been for me. Um, but at least. Yeah, you have to lead by the example in this case. So before asking the sporting director if he knew my job description, I had to make sure I knew the job description of all the staff working with, for, or on the side of me, you know? Perfect. Right. If anyone wants to get to know more about the research that you've done or anything future happening in this space, where's the where's the best place, Martin? Um, I'm always uh, available on, on social media. My website, there's... there's uh, always all the new stuff I'm, I'm doing and there's a there's a form you can you can reach out so um, yeah I think I'm pretty pretty easy to find on on the web yep so the, this the the, the uh, KPIs that you've quoted from this article this research that you've done with Luca and and Ryan where can that be found okay so that was published in a SPSR sports science performance and, and report but again that's also on, on my website there's a blog part with all the the, the research papers um, uh, title was the paper was behind the scoreboard uh, something around yeah evaluation of, of staff and department um, and uh, yeah there's a few more stuff coming out uh, in terms of, of research of, of papers opinion on on the topic so um, yeah, I don't know if you uh, there's something I just written for the football uh, performance association and the, the journal uh, there might be something coming out with uh, with you guys as well so there might be more through that uh, a good way to, to, to read more and uh, if people want to reach out um, yeah definitely please to to help them on on this uh, this second mission after they have now after after the pure uh, sports science perfect right look forward to keeping in touch look forward to seeing what happens in this space and uh we'll chat soon thanks again awesome. Martin. thank you very much as, as always thank you very much take care thanks for tuning in to episode 485 of the pacey performance podcast i just want to say this mission from martin is one that is very very solid and should be pushed from those that have power within professional organizations this these issues that martin speaks about can often lead to people being removed from positions that they shouldn't be removed from so i think people should take this on take heed of this advice and really do something about it so big thanks to martin for coming on and sharing this very worthwhile mission also big thanks to team builder rock daisy and Vild for sponsoring this episode today. The podcast could not run in its current form without these guys, so I really do appreciate all their support. Big thanks to you for tuning in, and I look forward to chatting to you next time.